Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier. This episode is brought to you as a result of a conversation on the Kelby One community pertaining to a need for clarity on memory card types and all the labeling and numbers associated with them. So, join me on episode 102, where we're going to talk about making sense of memory cards. No card, no images. Simple, isn't it? When we buy a camera, the maker has decided on the card type for us. We don't really get a choice in the matter, except for the really critical choice of which card to buy, of course. In order to make these decisions, let's get started by reviewing the different card slots that are available to us. The most common is the slot type that we call SD. This stands for Secure Digital. It's important to note that there are two very distinct variants of the SD card slot. They're called UHS-1 and UHS-2, where the numbers are represented by Roman numerals. A UHS-1 slot has a maximum bandwidth capability of approximately 104 megabytes per second. If you put a faster card in it, you're not going to get the faster throughput of the card because you're going to be limited by the bandwidth of the slot. Unless you're shooting high bandwidth 4K video or really large megapixel raw images in a high speed burst, there's nothing wrong with this slot type. But it's been superseded by UHS Type 2. I would suggest that when looking at a new camera that uses the SD slot form factor, that you be looking for UHS 2 support. UHS 2 slots have a maximum bandwidth of approximately 312 megabytes per second. You're going to need this and want it for medium bandwidth 4K video, and it can't hurt for stills. UHS 2 slots have two rows of contacts instead of the single row that we find in UHS 1 slots. Now, if your camera's much older, you may not even have a UHS specification on it at all. In this case, the maximum bandwidth of the slot itself is 25 megabytes per second. Now both slot types will work with both types of cards, but a UHS-1 slot cannot go faster than the slot's bandwidth. Both slots are limited by the bandwidth capability of the card or the slot bus, whichever is lower. There have been two additional bus systems defined, but they're not in wide use. UHS-3 raises the maximum bus bandwidth to 624 megabytes per second. Another format called SD Express offers a maximum bus bandwidth of 985 megabytes per second. And this is based around the PCIe generation 3.0 specification. Both UHS-2 and UHS-3 slots use what is called a dual lane design. And so you'll sometimes see them referred to as either half duplex in the case of UHS-2, and full duplex in the case of UHS-3. The next slot type we'll look at is called Compact Flash, or CF, and it's been around for a long time. It's a physically larger slot that takes a physically larger card. The larger cards are built tougher, so they're more disaster resistant than SD cards. There are two slot types in CF. Type 1, which is most commonly found in cameras, 
is 3.3 millimeters thick. And there is also a type two, which is five millimeters thick. Type two is pretty rare these days. It was originally used for micro drives, small hard drives that worked in PC MCIA slots. As I said, most digital cameras use the type one card slot and we don't mix the cards. The CF card slot has the male pins at the bottom of the slot. You can't see them easily, but it is possible to bend these pins by jamming a card into the slot or by use of the wrong card in the slot. Be very cautious when inserting and removing CF cards. If those pins get bent or broken, it's a very, very expensive repair. The next card slot we'll look at is called XQD, and it's a slot type developed by Sony, Nikon, and SanDisk. It provides for a much heavier duty card that can support a higher rate of bandwidth that is not much larger than an SD sized card. The goal in fact was to build something that was tougher and with more capacity than what SD offered. These slots were first found in Sony Handycams, but we now find XQD slots in higher end Nikon cameras as well. It is a much superior system in all ways to SD. XQD version 1.0 slots can provide a bandwidth maximum rate of up to 500 megabytes per second. XQD 2.0 slots can provide bandwidth using the PCIe protocol and deliver throughput of up to 1000 megabytes per second or one gigabyte per second. Another slot type that we will encounter in a more limited extent is called CFast or compact fast. It's a generational change up from what we know as compact flash or CF. The cards look similar, but they're not interchangeable and the CFast slot can deliver bandwidth of up to 600 megabytes per second, suitable for high quality 4K video. We can currently find these slots in Canon and Blackmagic design cameras. It's a very robust structure, but because there's not a lot of them, the lower card volumes have kept the cards very expensive. The current standard is the CFast 2.0 specification. This interface is based on a serial interface instead of the parallel interface found on CF cards. You've encountered the term serial before with the hard drive in your computer. So today's hard drives are what we call SATA or SATA drives. A CFAS card is working the same way from an interface perspective as a hard disk is. There has been announced a further specification called CF Express. And CF Express allows for bandwidth up to two gigabytes per second. Although at the time of this recording, implementations are not commercially evident. The card slot types that are built into our cameras will be influenced to some extent by whatever the camera's internal USB bus is. When I talk about the USB bus, I'm talking about how we connect the camera to our computer if we're doing so directly. For cameras using the USB 2.0 bus, and we still find brand new cameras coming out with this, the maximum performance of that bus is 35 megabytes per second. So even if the slot bus is faster, the USB bus is still way too slow. Cameras that use the USB 3.0 bus can deliver up to 145 megabytes per second. The bus and the card slot performance metrics are independent. 
But a slow USB bus is a common reason why people find downloading direct from their camera rather than from a dedicated card reader to be so much slower. When you know what slots are in your camera, now you can go to the critical decision of picking the right card type. Let's move on to a discussion of the cards themselves. I have to say that I don't think that there is any more confusion out there around memory cards than with the SD structure cards. We have in market SD, SDHC, SDXC, and SDUC, and they all look the same except for the label. The nomenclature only refers to the maximum capacity of the design. SD cards can be up to two gigabytes in capacity, and they use a 12 or 16 bit FAT file system. SDHC can be up to 32 gigabytes capacity, and they use a 32 bit FAT file system. SDXC can be up to two terabytes in capacity, and SDUC runs between two terabytes and 128 terabytes capacity. SDXC and SDUC both use the XFAT file system. All these different file systems mean that our cameras need to know how to write to those file systems and format those file systems. And it also means that our computers need to be able to read from those file systems. Modern cameras don't place restrictions on the type of card, but older cameras will be limited to a particular card structure and hence larger cards may not be recognized. You're going to have to check your camera's manual to know the maximum card capacity that your card can take. I would not suggest that you expect the seller in the store to have any idea of the maximum size that your particular camera can use. They really should be asking you what camera the card is for, but most of the time they don't. When we look at CF cards, we find them from very small capacity, like literally megabytes, all the way up to about 512 gigabytes. They all look the same and they come in a very durable casing. The format's losing favor in new cameras due to its size. And this is because makers are trying to make camera bodies smaller or fit more slots into the body. The other limitation of CF is that the parallel interface is limited to a maximum throughput of 167 megabytes per second. This is fine for stills and full HD video at medium bandwidth, but it's very limited if you're using 4K. You'd only be able to get away with very highly compressed 4K video. CF cards use the FAT12 file system for cards up to 16 megabytes, FAT16 for cards up to four gigabytes, and FAT32 for cards larger than four gigabytes. Other formats may be used in purpose-specific devices such as dumb terminals or gambling machines, but these formats are not available for us when we're doing imaging. When we look to XQD cards, we know that SanDisk was one of the founders, but the big providers of XQD for years have been Sony, and prior to shuttering the doors, Lexar. XQD cards are available in two bandwidth ratings from Sony, with cards now available as well from Nikon and Delkin. You want to be careful that you look at the card to define if it's a G or an M card because they have different maximum throughput capabilities on the card itself. This is independent of the slot and can be confusing. The XQD card future long-term is unknown 
as the Compact Flash Association, which created XQD, has defined that the next generation of cards is going to be under that CF Express design. Since nothing is yet in the general market under CF Express, XQD is certainly viable for the short to middle term. The cards are smaller than Compact Flash and CFast, and this allows makers to put dual slots in cameras with very large storage options with the advantage of providing the owner the lower cost of acquisition for the media. XQD is not only faster, it's also a lot more durable than SD cards, and the prices have come down as more and more cameras are using this slot. As I mentioned earlier, CFast cards have a limited implementation, and consequently they're still very expensive compared to XQD cards, which provide similar bandwidth capabilities. SanDisk is the primary maker of CFast cards. They start at 64 gigabytes and go up to currently 512 gigabytes in capacity. Some pro video camera makers who built their cameras to use CFast internally have added the ability to write directly to SATA 3 solid state or SSD drives as an alternative to CFast because when you're buying big SSDs in the terabyte and now two terabyte range, it can actually cost you less than a lower capacity CFast card. In the midterm to long-term, CFast will be replaced by CF Express. Okay, now we understand our slot types and we understand the different card types. Time now to look at what all the numbers and indicators mean on those cards. The key number, the one that matters the most is the capacity of the card and for the most part, that's measured in megabytes, unless you are a gazillionaire and can actually afford the terabyte sized cards. Very often you're gonna see a number like a thousand times or 600 times or 2000 times. This is a mostly useless rating because it's a measurement against the ancient CD-ROM read performance of 150 kilobytes per second. It'd be just as easy to say that a thousand times card has the capability of 150 megabytes per second, but it doesn't look as impressive. It's McMarketing at its worst. If you see a little number that looks like it's sitting in a U-shaped bucket, it indicates the minimum read speed of the card. A three in the bucket means the card can be read at minimum at 30 megabytes per second. If you see a one, it means 10 megabytes per second. Given the age of this technology, this information really doesn't mean a lot to you because you're gonna find other indicators that are much more important. But because it's backward compatible, makers like to put all the labels they can on the cards. If your card has a little number in a circle, this is a positively ancient speed rating. You might as well be an archaeologist. The most common that we're still going to see today is a 10, number 10 in a little circle. And this is often referred to as a class 10 card. And class 10 is certainly better than class 2, class 4, or class 6. But it, all it really means is that the card is never going to be slower on read than 10 megabytes per second. At this point in time, this information is worthless to us.
you may have found a card with a V rating above what looks like a movie clip. This indicates the minimum read speed for files and was designed as a reference for video. Options in the market are V6, V10, V20, V30, V60, and V90, where the number that you see represents the minimum read bandwidth. The Secure Digital Association defines these numbers against a chart for video files, but the numbers do not take into account the actual bandwidth in place because that's dependent on the encoding mode and the level of compression being used during writes and the subsequent reads. So a card that has a V90 says it can't read any slower than 90 megabytes per second, and that sounds okay, but we may actually need be using far more bandwidth depending upon the level of compression. I mentioned earlier that card slots will have a UHS indicator of a one or a two. And finding this indicator tells us whether the card is compliant with whatever slot your camera has. While you can use both types of cards in both types of slots, you wanna to try to match the card type to the slot type wherever possible. The numbers that we see are typically the maximum read speed of the card. I've talked a lot about read speed so far, so bear in mind that the speed to write to the card is almost never disclosed, and it's always slower than what the read speed is gonna be. If we're looking at a CF card, we may see another number indicated as a UDMA num numeric rating. And this exists because of how the CF architecture is built. Same information though, it's the minimum read bandwidth performance of the card according to the standard. Your card may deliver higher read speeds, but never lower than whatever it is UDMA rated for. If the card has no UDMA rating, it's gonna be fairly slow. A UDMA level one card can read at a maximum of 16.7 megabytes per second. That's really slow. A UDMA seven card can read at a minimum of 167 megabytes per second, and you may recognize that number as the bandwidth limit of the CF 2.0 specification. When it's time to go shopping for memory cards, we have to be cautious because the counterfeiting of memory cards is a real problem. There have been many proven reports of cards sold through popular online marketplaces actually being fakes. This can mean inaccurate capacities, lack of quality memory, faulty interfaces and chipsets that in fact have damaged cameras that they've been installed in. The labels will look right. So you gotta be very careful about where these cards are coming from. Just because say you bought them from Amazon didn't mean that Amazon actually got them from the real manufacturer because most of these online marketplaces have marketplaces where vendors can sell goods via the distribution method of the online store. Moreover, as there are limited makers of flash memory and the reality that not all flash memory is the same quality grade, there is significant proven evidence that a wide range of private brand cards are or will become fairly rapidly unreliable. For this reason, and while they will be more expensive, I only recommend cards from SanDisk, Sony, and where you can find them under the old Lexar brand name.
Luxor was shut down by Micron Technologies last year, and the brand was sold to a Chinese company called Longsys. New cards with the same Lexar name are beginning to appear, but they haven't been stress tested in the market as yet. Some of the former Micron executives formed a new company called ProGrade Digital, and they're saying that their Lexar customers can expect the same quality and reliability in the ProGrade Digital line. However, ProGrade is only building CFast 2.0 and SD UHS Type 2 cards with CF Express as their long-term direction. So we don't see XQD or UHS-1 cards or any CF cards coming from ProGrade Digital. In the end, just like at the beginning, no card, no images. No images, no memories. Cheaping out on memory cards is the poorest form of savings. You can never go back and reshoot a missed image or video. There's no such thing as that perfect reshoot. Buying cheap cards does not serve you well. Stick to one of the name brands and be careful where you buy them so you don't end up with counterfeits. Remember, all electronics will fail over time. The industry term for this is MTBF, or mean time before failure. Whatever the MTBF number is, that quoted time, it means that by then half of the products will have failed by that period. Thus, I recommend retirement at this point of all memory cards once they've reached the age of three years for safety sake of your images. The card may still be working well, but you're now starting to push it. When you buy a card, I recommend using a silver Sharpie to write the year and the month on the card. Year and month of purchase, obviously. Then when it gets to being three years old, give it a little retirement party. And you really should destroy it, but most people actually just throw them in a, in a drawer in case they need them at some point. The reality is three years after you purchased it, you're gonna be able to get at least double the storage for less than what you paid for the card that you're retiring. Never put a sticky label on a card to indicate its date or any other information as they will typically jam in the slots resulting in an expensive repair bill. Choosing a memory card should neither be difficult nor confusing. Thus, I hope that you find this episode helpful. Do you have an idea for an article, tutorial, video, or podcast? Do you have an imaging question unrelated to this particular segment? Send me an email directly at ross at thephotovideoguy.ca or post in the comments. When you do email a question to me on any imaging topic, I will try to respond within a day. If you're located in Canada, please consider shopping with Henry's in your local store or at www.henrys.com. Henry's doesn't have an affiliate program, but I do some work with the company and I know they're a credible retailer. If you live in the United States or anywhere else in the world and you like to shop with B&H Photo Video, please consider doing so through the link on thephotovideoguy.ca. When you do, it helps support my efforts because B&H does have an affiliate program and it has no negative impact whatsoever on your shopping experience. If you find this podcast, my videos, or the articles of value, please consider clicking the donation tab in the sidebar of this website and buy me a coffee. 
Your donation goes to help me keep things going. I'm Ross Chevalier. Thanks for reading, watching, and listening. And until next time, peace.